Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of Beyond the Known, our guest is David Bellman, president of Bellman Homes. David, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate being here. Yeah, well, I'm a little nervous today, I will confess, because we've got, be. we've got Mr. Podcast over here. So just, you know, if you're watching me, you're judging me the way that I act, just be gentle on me, okay? Okay, it sounds like a good deal. Awesome. All right. So yeah, very excited to have this conversation with you. And to say the least, the home building industry is certainly an interesting one. Lots of stuff going on there at any given time. Where does your passion for home building come from? Well, it, for me, it started at an early age because when I grew up, my story is I literally grew up in the home building business. So it was in the basement of my parents' home. And so when we'd come home for dinner, it was that was the topic of conversation was whatever happened in the building industry that day. So I, I got inundated with it right away. And you know, further, when I was younger, like about nine years old, I always have this story, and this is how I tell everyone how I got involved with the building business. So I was nine years old and it was a Saturday and I wanted my dad's attention really, really bad. So he was sitting at the kitchen table with his feet up on the chair with the newspaper open. And I went up to him and I said, dad, I'm bored expletiveless. And you can fill in what I said, okay? We'll leave that for a different show, right? And I got his attention, right? So he's like, okay, follow me. And he folds up the newspaper, he grabs his coat and we go out in the garage and we go to the pickup truck. And I was like, oh, cool, I get to ride in the pickup truck. And so I hop in and I'm thinking we're gonna go get ice cream or something fun, right? Well, we go down the road and he turns, instead of left into town, he turns right. And we start going out in the rural area. And all of a sudden we pull by a job site. I'm like, well, that's my dad for you. He will stop by a job site before he go do something. He goes, get out. He walks around the back of the truck. He goes, gets out a broom and a shovel he gives it to me and says, start at the top and work your way to the bottom. I'll be back in two hours. And he left me there. <laughs> and I swept out the house. I cleaned out the house. And then we got back. He came and picked me up and took me back home and he gave me a check. So I'm nine years old. I get a check. And it was kind of a cool thing when you're nine years old to get a check, right? So yeah, that was the first time I started in the home building business. And I enjoyed it. I knew that I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. So that was kind of the first part of my story for it. And then and the second half of the story is when I was 17 years old, graduated high school. All my friends are, you know, having a summer off and doing all this fun stuff. And my mom goes, you're getting your real estate license. I'm like, okay. So for three hours, three times a week, I had to go get my real estate classes in. And, and she's like, oh, and by the way, we need a salesperson. So we're throwing you in the model. So I'm 17 years old. <laughs> I'm not very big as it is, right? But they put me in the model and here's this kid sitting in the model trying to sell houses at 17 years old. And by the end of the summer, I had kind of figured it out. I learned how to be credible. I learned a lot about the industry. I studied everything I could about our homes. And right when I turned 18, I passed my real estate test, got my license, sold two houses the next week. And I did that full time while I was going to college. So that's really how I got you know, started with the industry. And I just, I loved it and I loved the challenges of it and everything. And that's where the passion came from. What about this industry do you love so much? I mean, obviously you were exposed to this at an early age. You had some parents that exposed you to a lot of different stuff, but you maintain this relationship with the industry right now. And you're obviously passionate about it. People talk to you for five minutes and, and they see how excited you get. Sure. What is it about this industry specifically that you love so much? 
it's the constant change and the challenges with it, really. It's every day I get to do something different. There's always new challenges, you know, dealing with contractors. And then I think one of the coolest things is just being able to say, you know, drive by something and say, I made that or I helped build that or I started that project, you know. And so I go by and I see these subdivisions we built and these beautiful homes. And they evolve, too, because you go into a subdivision that, I, you know, my family built, let's say, 20 years ago, and you drive through it and you go, holy cow, the trees are all big and the, the yards are all really fancy and manicured. And you're like, we started that. We made that. And so that's really kind of a cool thing. And, of course, I love the team that we have at Bellman Homes and everybody there. So it just makes it a lot easier to have, you know, great people around you and seeing the customers excited about getting a brand new home. It's just a really exciting time in their lives. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I really relate to with your story is the father-son bonding time. And I know your father, Don, I mean, you guys spent a lot of quality time together. Yes. And what was that like from a personal perspective? Because on one hand, I can see how cool it would be to spend so much quality time with your dad. I'm sure you learned a lot. You guys probably shared a lot of laughs. On the other side, I can probably see, like any family dynamic, maybe that getting a little, you know, some friction from time to time. But what was it like to work so closely with your father for so many years? Well, it was great. I mean, I was so blessed because I got to work with him on a daily basis, and he was dad. So even though he passed away last year, it's been great because I spent so much time with him. And so I don't regret anything because I was, I got so much time with him. It was almost every day I got to see him. And I think he and I played well off of each other because he was kind of, he liked to be out in the field and he liked to talk to the guys, but he didn't like the office stuff as much. So I kind of glued a lot of things together on the back end while he was out kind of, you know, checking the jobs and those kind of things. So I was the one that kind of did the marketing and kind of ran the office and those kind of things while he was out doing that. And so we played really well off of each other that way. And so really wasn't ever a lot of friction between him and I, because I think we, you know, he had mutual respect and he used to say things in his later years, like, you know, well, you're a lot smarter than I am now. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I just always just kind of you know, let it roll off my back, but, you know, I think we just worked really well together and it was great being able to see him every day. And, you know, I think we only had one moment where he said something once to me that he regretted and he came back to me the next day and was like, I shouldn't have said that. And it was like, don't worry about it. We're cool. And we just moved on. What would you say? So sticking with the theme of your father here for a little bit, what would you say were the two biggest professional lessons you learned from your dad? Okay. And what would you say are the two biggest personal lessons you learned from your father? Well, the professional lesson, he always used to say, always do what you, you said you're going to do. So be a man of your word. And I think that was always something that I took with me. And so, you know, if you promise something, you got to make sure you do it. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that I took from him. And, you know, I don't know if I can think of a second one, because I think that was really the profound thing. We always kind of had a saying in our marketing, and it was nothing says more about a builder than the homes that they build. And so that was kind of another thing was like, let your work stand for itself. So I'd say that was probably the second thing that I got from him. On a personal level, uh, the one thing I'm jealous about that my dad had that I don't necessarily have that ability, but he could literally talk to anybody at any time about anything. And he just had one of these personalities where he could just, he could go to a farmer and he, all of a sudden we, we pulled up on a job site and there's a farm and he went and talked to the farmer and he like changed his whole dialect and he's talking to this farmer in like farmer talk. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. He's like talking farmer. And I'm like, I couldn't do that. You know, that's just not something I had in me. So 
I thought that was really neat how he could just relate to anybody. And the other cool thing that he, he taught me was that he treated everybody really well. And I remember at his eulogy, I had said this, you know, it didn't matter if you're the guy sweeping the floor or you're the CEO of a company, he treated everybody the same. And in fact, I think he liked the guy sweeping the floor better than the CEOs, you know, quite honestly, because he related with it. He, you know, he's built the business himself and started from ground up. So he really, you know, could relate to anybody. So a lot has changed in your industry over the years, I have no doubt. Can you give us a couple of examples of how the industry has changed since you've been associated with it? Sure. There's a lot, but one of the biggest things is it's just gotten a lot harder. It's a challenging industry. And so I spend a lot of time, I'm very active in the industry advocating on behalf of it. And one of the biggest changes is just the amount of regulation. And in fact, I speak on this because housing affordability is like a really passionate side cause that I have. And so the cost added to a home due to local, state, and federal regulation is $84,671. So if you take a house that's $300,000, you know, add another 80 plus grand to the cost of the house. And that's just due to local, state, and federal regulation. And so it's everything is harder and it takes a lot longer. When my dad first started the business, when we would do a subdivision, you get somebody to draw it up, you submit it to the municipality, you go to a meeting, they sign off of it, and you build it. That doesn't happen anymore. It takes like two and a half years, three years to get a subdivision approved. You have to go to the, the municipality and you have to go to the county and you have to go to the DNR and federal people look at it and the Army Corps looks at it and then they send it back and someone else. And it's like you get, I always explain it like you're playing ping pong. You know, when you take the ping pong table and you flip it up and you just, hitting the ball back and forth, you send the ball off and they send it back to you and you send it, and it, it, this goes on and on for months and months at an end and it adds a lot of cost to the projects and it can be frustrating, but that's one of the biggest challenges is just how over-regulated it's become. And is there any reason for that? Is it just what you're seeing nationally with respect to government getting too big or is it something different it, than that? It's a combination, you know, federally it was starting to get better, but now we're seeing it at the local level and a lot of, you know, I think people were really concerned, especially after the, the last Great Recession, with, you know, all sorts of different, different things from like lending issues where you have companies that, you know, overextended themselves and then they folded and the banks had to take on that bad debt. Um, so they had to over, you know, kind of protect for that. And then there's, you know, all those new green standards that are coming out. And while green building in general is good, you want to, you know, support the environment. At the same time, you have to be careful because, you know, sometimes they're requiring these things that we don't really need. And you get to the law of diminishing returns. So like making a house 1% more efficient might cost another $100,000. Well, that's not good. You're not going to save that much in heating and cooling costs if you spend another $100,000 on a house. So a lot of what I do is I, I try and talk practically to our elected officials and say, listen, you know, on the surface, this looks good, but this is the real dollars and cents impact and it doesn't make sense. Well, one of the things that I really admire about you, David, is you're just, you're just a guy of many talents. And we're going to start getting into some of those talents now. But one of the titles that I usually have when we're having conversations like this is I'm usually the only author of a best-selling book in the room. I cannot claim that anymore. And I know you just recently released a book. It hit bestseller on Amazon in a couple of different categories, which is outstanding. 
Can you do us a favor and just walk us through this book a little bit? What is it about? What do you discuss? Why is it important? That kind of sure. thing. Sure. Well, uh, thanks for bringing that up. And it's nice to be in the room with another best-selling author. So. <laughs> <laughs> Rare company, right? Absolutely. But you're a big part of that journey because that was something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And I, I started writing a book two years ago and I just, you know, couldn't really dedicate enough time to doing it. And I didn't, I kept writing it, but I didn't know where to go with it. And you helped connect me with the right people. And we were able to come up with a really clean vision and a really nice outline. And then it, then it became easy after that. But sometimes you just need to hire an expert, right, to, to get things done. So Leadership Growth Hacks is the name of the book. And basically what it is is it kind of works backwards a little bit in a way. So the last chapter really talks about building your legacy. And that's something that's really important to me because a few years ago I'd worked in home building for a long time. And I always, I, for a while was like, gosh, I've been doing this for like 20 years and I just don't feel like I've moved beyond a certain point. I got stuck and I knew that I could be better and that I could do a lot more things. And I started to kind of crave knowledge. So I started reading all these books. I started seeking out people that were going to make me better. And I, I was at a seminar and this guy said to me at the seminar, you've got to think about your legacy. And that was really profound. It struck me. And I took it a little differently. I started thinking about what would somebody say about me when I'm gone, when I'm dead? What would people say about me? And at the time, I didn't like what that was. That it was, well, he was a good home builder, husband, father, you know, wasn't very interesting. And so that kind of struck me and it made me rethink my life and it really expanded my thought process. So I wanted to be someone that made a difference in the community. I wanted to be somebody that... Uh, people looked up to. I wanted somebody to say that, you know, he's a leader in the industry. He changed things. He, he helped me. He made a difference. And so that became part of, you know, this book is first changing your mindset to think differently and think more about other people than yourself. And so that's part of it. And then that kind of got me involved with things like Operation Finally Home, where we give a free home to a wounded veteran. And that really caused me to up my game because now I'm not only running a home building business, a real estate business, a land development business, but now, you know, we're also doing this charity and, and building free homes for veterans and putting on events. So it really caused me to kind of go outside my shell and get, you know, get further in my career. So the rest of the book, the way it's set up is I took a lot of things that I've learned over the past five, six years when I really decided to unlock myself, <laughs> hack my brain, so to speak. And I put them into this book. So it's all sorts of things from how to diagnose somebody. So you meet somebody and kind of learn their personality very quickly and communicate more effectively with them. So we talk about that in the book. I talk about really early on overcoming fear because that was the big thing that was holding me back. I had something that I had to do with my business that I was a very afraid to do and I had to overcome that fear. So I actually have a process for how you overcome fear in the book and we talk about that. and. Once I was able to overcome the fear and I accomplished, you know, I call it slaying the dragon. Once I slayed the dragon, I felt like anything else I wanted to do would be easy. So when I was able to do that, I was then able to do things like Operation Finally Home and get involved with Paul and Andy and the Young Guns movement and, and do all these other really great things, become a leader in the home building industry by helping out at the state and national level. So all these things kind of happened over time. So a lot of those things are in here. And then the last part of it that I really passionate about is there's some processes that I have, especially near the end of the book that we talk about that really help your mindset because mindset is everything. So a lot of it's talking about 
you know, how to be grateful and making sure that you're grateful every day for even just little things and then kind of programming your brain subconsciously and wiring your brain for positivity and new opportunities. So every day I have a process before I go to bed that I be grateful for three different things that happen during the day. And then I kind of do some mindset stuff before I go to bed every night. Well, now you just got me insanely curious, my man. So I just have to follow up. So you were saying in the book, and obviously I don't want you to give away your trade secrets. If you haven't bought the book and you might be one of the few because it's sold so many copies on Amazon, do it. But one of the thoughts that you, you, you had talked about, there was something you were afraid of, that dragon you had to slay. Sure. What were you afraid of and how were you able to overcome that? Okay. Well, I don't share this story with everybody, but basically... I was in a family business and, you know, we talked about my relationship with my dad. Well, when we started out, it was my dad, my brother and I. So my dad always ran the company. My brother was involved. About a decade into it, my parents said, you know, someday we're not going to be doing this anymore. We'd like to see you two boys take over the company. So my brother and I partnered up and we started Bellman Homes. So there was Don Bellman Homes and there was Bellman Homes. So my brother and I did this for many years. We were partners for about 15 years. And it was never an equitable partnership. And so it was difficult for me because I would come in every day. I'd work from seven to five and sometimes at night meeting customers. I usually sold probably about three times as many homes a year as he did. But we shared everything and we just split everything down the middle. And it, it got to the point later in, in those years where, you know, he'd come in at 11 o'clock or 1030 in the morning, you know, puts around for 15, 20 minutes, go out to lunch, come back. And I, it just I dealt with it because it was family and I didn't want to rock the boat. And I was like, it's a good thing. I'm not going to worry about it. it's family. But after, you know, years and years of it, it started to grate on you. And when we went through the great housing recession and I'm seeing all my competitors crumble away and things were really tough, I was sitting there going, if I don't do something about this really soon, there isn't going to be a company anymore. And I couldn't be blind to it anymore. And so that's part of my journey and why I went through this sort of growth period because I knew I had to get better and I had to slay the dragon, so to speak, in order for Bellman Homes to take off. So I had to buy him out. I had to tell my family it. It was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do. And, but I'm so glad I did it because, you know, Bellman Homes took off after that. I mean, all these great things that have happened, all the awards that we've gotten, all the great opportunities that would have never happened had I not gotten over that, that mountain. Yeah, no, good for you. And I appreciate you sharing that story and being open about it. And one of the things that kind of reminds me of is, I don't know if we've had this conversation, but you're right when you talk about mindset. And there's days where I feel a little lazy. There's days where maybe my fear or self-consciousness or whatever is holding me back. But, you know, when I'm tempted to do things, when I'm tempted not to do things, I just kind of repeat this phrase over and over in my head. Paul, this is bigger than you. And I think to some degree, you were an embodiment of that. Hey, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than my brother and I. If we don't write this ship, there might not be an organization. If there's no organization, you're not blessing people in, in touch and life. So would, would you agree that, that might oh, be absolutely. kind of? Yeah, 100%. You know, I thought about it every day. I mean, it weighed heavily on me. And, and this was something where, like, I was going into work, and I it's my own business, and I didn't even want to go into my own business. Like, how bad is that, right? It's, so I knew, like, I couldn't continue on. And I was willing to walk away from everything. I mean, I put all my cards on the table and said, this has got to happen or I'm going off and I'm doing something else. And I mean, I looked at everybody in the office and it was like, you know, that's my family. You know, I work with these people every day. They're really important to me and they rely on this place to be open. And we have hundreds of contractors that, you know, need us to build and sell these houses so that they can work every day. So there's hundreds of people that are relying on us and they're relying 
on me and I can't let them down. This is something I have to do. So that was a weight that I had. And, you know, once I kind of lifted that burden off my back, it really, you know, opened things up. And, you know, I tell the story because even just a couple days later, after that happened, like the whole mood of the office just changed. And like we sold four houses the next week and all of a sudden all these things happened. These awards started coming in and all these great things started to happen. It was just like, we had this cloud over us and we had to get through that. And again, I love my brother. I respect him a lot. You know, people really like him. He's a fun guy, but he just, he and I didn't work well together. It just was one of those things that just didn't work. Yeah. Well, now that you're on the other side of best-selling author status, got to ask you this question as well, too. I mean, I travel with, in a variety of circles, entrepreneurs, business owners, whatever. And, and I get asked this question from time to time, too. How do I know if I have a book in me? Okay. How would you answer that? Well, first, I think, I mean, everybody has a story. So, you know, and anyone can share their story, right? As far as do you have a book in you or not? I mean, I think you have to sort of step back from it and say, what kind of value can you provide somebody? What could you share with somebody that would benefit someone else? And if you have that, if you have a few things that, you know, you do every day or you do differently or something that you know about that other people don't know about, then yes, you have a book inside of you. Now, the question is, can you take the time and deduce it all down and put it into a format that people can understand? And that was where I struggled because I had the book in me for a while, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know the right process. And you have to, you know, rely on other people. You have to delegate. You have to sometimes hire other people to help, you know, keep you on track, keep you accountable in order to do that. But I think a lot of people do have a book in them and they just have to, to understand what value they're going to provide to someone else. Yeah. And it's quite the process uh, from the statistics that I heard of all the people that start a book about 95% never finish. And even that might be relatively conservative. So kudos to you and you. Uh, success very well deserved. I'm, I'm very happy to see that. The other thing that you're passionate about, so when you're not building homes, when you're not writing books, when you're not saving the world, Captain Bellman, one of the things you are doing is you are very involved in the community. It's like every time I open up Facebook or LinkedIn, there's David Bellman doing something. I mean, this guy is, he's everywhere. So before we get to Operation Finally Home specifically, what is it about the community giving back? You certainly don't have to do this. Lord knows you're busy enough. Sure. What makes you want to give back and support the community at the rate that you do? Well, again, it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about the legacy piece. And, you know, when I decided that, you know, you know, people will remember you more for what you did or an impact that you made on them rather than, you know, being the biggest builder or the guy that made the most money. Nobody cares about that or you're the car that you drive. That doesn't matter. What matters is is how you leave people. And so that's part of why I got involved with Operation Finally Home. But it, it started a while back because I, when I was going through all those difficult times with the business and, and the ownership change and all that kind of stuff, I was kind of in a dark place. And so I needed something really good and something positive in my life. And so I happened to go to this event and it was one of my suppliers in Vegas. And he's like, hey, let's go to a concert. And it was a country music concert. Well, I don't like country music, but I'm like, oh, what the heck? I was wiring my brain, just try new things, do new things, right? So I went to this concert and it was a benefit for Operation Finally Home. They had a veteran come out and they showed this video of this guy he wanted to serve 20 years and he got seriously injured when a mortar or rather a vehicle hit an IED. It flipped the vehicle, crushed his legs in the vehicle and he came to and 
He was trying to pull his mangled legs from the wreckage, and he noticed that there was ammunition in the vehicle, and it was on fire. That ammunition was going to blow up, and it was going to blow up everybody in his battalion. He took his mangled legs, and he put the fire out with his mangled legs. He had just enough energy to pull himself from the hatch before he passed out. And he came to, and they had to amputate his legs. And he had to quit the one job that he loved, the one thing that he, you know, that was his character. That was who he was. And he had to come back. He had six kids at home on top of it. So you hear this story, and it's just crushing. And then all of a sudden, they talk about how they found him, and they gave him a brand-new mortgage-free home and how it changed his entire life. And then out on the stage, this guy comes walking out in a red, white, and blue shirt, and he's got these metal legs, and he's just – the crowd's cheering. And, I mean, it was the most inspiring thing I've ever seen. And I was like, I have to be a part of this. And I'm like, this is what I was brought here to do. I have to do this. So how do I bring this back to Wisconsin? That was – it took me about a year, year and a half before I had enough courage to do it. But, yeah, we've done six of those homes now for people here in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's a powerful story for sure. If when you look at Operation Finally Home as an organization, what are the greatest needs that your nonprofit has at this point? Well, it's always material and labor donations is one part of it. So anybody that's in the trades or has a product to supply for homes, that's always a big need. And then any financial needs, because whatever we don't get donated, obviously we have to raise money for. So, you know, through sponsorships, through donations, we have a really, I've been blessed after we did the second house I had a foundation come to me and they said, we love what you're doing. And they said, you know, what do you need for the next house? I said, I got to raise around a hundred to $120,000. They're like, well, you've got that right now. And I was just like, you're kidding me. And they're like, no, we want to help you. And so we, they actually bumped it up to $150,000 and we turned it into a business match and they've actually done the match three years in a row, actually four years in a row now. So that's been able to allow us to sustain the project. So, you know, having a bigger foundation, donate money, to allow us to continue this on. I never anticipated doing six houses. I, I thought, oh, I'll do one, and it was so great, and it was so gratifying that I decided to do a second one, and then it just kind of turned into its own thing, and it's just it's grown from there. So if you look back at David Bellman before Operation Finally Home to David Bellman now that you're involved with Operation sure. Finally Home, how has being involved with this organization impacted you personally and professionally? Well, personally, I mean, I've made great friends and contacts. I have a lot of people that I volunteer. They're all my friends. All these families, when we close out a house for them and we do one of these really moving dedication ceremonies, I always tell them, you're part of the Operation Finally Home in Wisconsin family now. And I mean that. They're part of our family. So we get together a couple times a year. They come out to some of our events and we get to see them. I get to see their kids grow up. Their kids run up. Oh, Mr. Bellman, they come give me a hug. And it's just the coolest thing. It's like, you know, they're just so grateful and so wonderful people that, you know, that's changed a lot. And, and for me personally, what's changed is, you know, I've just become a lot more confident, you know, at, at these events. I mean, I'm speaking, I'm on the news when these things happen. Sometimes I'm on four different stations and, you know, you just have to be able to, to step up and be that person that everyone's expecting you to be. So, you know, being on TV or interviewing in the newspaper, I have politicians coming out and I'm talking to them. And so I've, I've created these amazing relationships and and opportunities as a result of it. And at the end of the day, though, it's that doesn't matter. What matters is how we're helping these families and, and making a difference in these people's lives. 
So we're a very philanthropic organization ourselves here at the Star Group. We created the Community Stars Donation Program back in early 2018. Since then, we've given away tons of checks to very worthy nonprofits, including Operation yes, Finally have. Home. Thank you very much. Well, it's a blessing to support you. That's a no-brainer. It's an easy decision. So people listening to this, and we do have a charitably inclined audience, people listening to say, I want to get involved. What do they do? Who should they contact? What do they do to try to help this very worthwhile mission. Well, they can go on to the website OFH, again, OFHWisconsin.com, and they can find out information on different events that we have. There's also a link nationally, so if they do want to make a donation, I'm very proud to say that when people donate, especially to Wisconsin, 98% of what's donated goes directly into building the home. So everything is volunteer here in Wisconsin, so a lot of that money goes right to the build. It doesn't go to administrative or overhead costs. And we use that to build these homes. So it's critical that we get those donations. And, you know, otherwise, if they want to, you know, sponsor things, they can reach out. They can contact us directly through the website. And we love to have them at. We do all sorts of different events. It's been a little hard this year with COVID, but we have a golf outing coming up in fall. We've done some shoots. We did a couple concerts. We actually had Craig Morgan, a, a country music star platinum artist uh, come into town and do a concert for us. Chris Cruzy from Wisconsin, he was number two finisher on The Voice. He did a concert for us. So we want to get back to that, but obviously we have to work through COVID protocols and stuff like that. So this year has been a little quieter than normal, but we're gearing up for some big stuff in the coming years. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. And I know with you running the show and with you being involved, the sky is certainly the limit, to say the least. Speaking of the sky's the limit, we got to talk, before we run out of time, Senior Bellman, we got to talk about one of my favorite topics, young guns. And uh, again, so we, we talk about all the stuff that you're involved with, all the stuff that you do on a daily basis. I remember when I had asked you way back when to kind of ride shotgun with me on this. I, I knew I wanted to implement Young Guns. I knew I wanted to do what we thought was going to be a one-time event, but I quickly knew I wasn't going to be able to pull it off on my own. Honestly, I figured you were going to turn it down just because I see you doing all these things. I didn't even know if this thing was going to work, but the moment when I started to realize we might be onto something was when you readily accepted. You didn't just accept, you readily accepted. And I said, if David Bellman is readily accepting, this might be a good idea. So why don't you educate the audience a little bit, at least a little bit about from your perspective, what Young Guns is, and more importantly, why you decided to get involved with this. Sure. Well, first of all, I, you know, I appreciate your vision for it because it was your vision. You came up with Young Guns. You already had Young Guns before you called me. So that was really cool. But I knew when you called, like, you know, they always say there's like luck and then you make your own luck. And I feel like that was a lot of this because I, you know, if you had asked me three years ago, I would have said, no, I wouldn't even have considered it. But, you know, I, I was in the right place at the right time. And, you know, that was me getting my mindset right and getting the type of person that I needed to become to do things like this. And I wanted to become a person that people go to for things. And I certainly do have a lot of things going on, you know, between, you know, the building industry and real estate and land development and you know, I have a podcast too and all that kind of stuff. So I have a lot going on, but this was just, it was too exciting not to do it. And I've always sort of wanted to be able to speak in front of people. And again, that whole make a difference in people's lives that appealed to me as well. And being able to share my story, I've enjoyed speaking, but I never really done keynote speaking before. So it was a new challenge as well. And that was exciting to me. And I just love the idea and the passion that you had for it as well. And course, we brought Andy Wines in as well, and he had a great passion for it as well. And we all had kind of little different skill sets. And 
even though I had a bad partnership to start, I was like, I think this is, you know, I get to choose my partner here. And so it was exciting to me. And so it became a no brainer to do it. And it's just been fantastic ever since. Yeah, we've been on quite a ride over the past year and a half. And I think one of the cooler developments has been YGTV, Young Guns Television, and you host your own program on YGTV. Yes, now, tell us a little bit about YG Workshop because you run an interesting program. What is it and how are you impacting the lives of the entrepreneurs on your program? Sure. Well, it's a challenge to do the show, but it's a lot of fun because what we do is we find you know, local businesses and we take a few minutes and we highlight them so people learn about the company. But then what we do is we take one of their most pressing challenges or problems and we solve it live right on the show. So sometimes they bring up things that we we're not even aware of. And so it you're on your feet. And so we work through a challenging problem that they have. And I'm fortunate I have a couple of really awesome business coaches and leaders that sit on a panel with me. And so I host the show and we learn about their business and we help them solve some of their problems uh, right live on air. So it's like, a, it literally is, it's a workshop. We work through it and whether it's a marketing problem, if it's a staffing problem, if it's financial problem, whatever it is, we help them out and we give them really good advice. And the one thing that I've learned on the show more than anything is that it doesn't matter what business it is. I don't have to be an expert in every single industry because the business problems are almost the same in any business. So whether it's a culture thing or a marketing thing, there's always a way to fix it. And you don't necessarily have to be an expert at the industry. As long as you understand business, you can help anybody. And that's what we do. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, you know, we've done a lot of good stuff together over the past 18 months or so. YGTV, live events, virtual events, you know, the podcast, all these different things. If, if you had to say what was your or what has been your favorite Young Guns moment? Well, my favorite moment was when I did my keynote speech. Because like I said, I prepared for it and I was like, boy... I hope I do good. And I'm like, I'm speaking with Paul Newberger and Andy Wines. These guys love to be on the stage and talk to people. I'm a little bit more introverted than you guys. And I'm like, I got to make sure I deliver. So it was just great when I finished my speech and I did a thing where I, I had everybody do a pledge and I jumped off the stage and I gave everybody high fives. And right now everyone's like, you know, cowering up, you know, because of COVID, I can't do that anymore. But that was just a really cool moment to share that with everybody that, that watched. And and that's partly how the book came about because I had a bunch of people come up to me after I talked and said, hey, where's your book? I want your book on this. And I was like, well, I don't have one. I've been kind of working on it. Like, we want your book. So that really motivated me at that moment to, hey, I got to finish this thing. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because that was one of my more memorable moments from our first event together as well, too. And like you said, I thought you gave a good talk. But as you said, maybe didn't come out of the gates roaring like you otherwise would have. But the fact that you were able to to finish strong, the fact that you still maintained your composure, you gave a talk that a lot of people left with in terms of one of the more memorable ones, and then seeing you run around the Italian Community Center like a madman, high-fiving everybody. <laughs> yep. The next speaker's waiting to go. We can't. Bellman's still running around high-fiving everybody. <laughs> yep. But just that energy and how you made people feel. Yep. And I think that's what Young Guns is all about. So before we run out of time, I just got to ask this one question. Let's try to keep this as brief as possible. Again, I want to keep it brief because I really want to turn up the heat a little bit on this. From a guy that's done everything, you're a business owner, philanthropist, entrepreneur, family man, best-selling author, and the list goes on and on and on and on. The secret to success is blank. Passion. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody ever listens to me when I say keep it brief. You're the first one. I was waiting for you to expand in some kind of a soliloquy, David Bellman. Nice I, I job. I follow directions. <laughs> 
Oh, well, you do a lot of things well, David, including represent Bellman Homes, represent Young Guns, represent your family, and the list goes on and on. I am proud to be your friend. I am proud to be your business partner. And quite frankly, I'm even proud to be in this room with you right now. Thank you for taking time to talk with us today. I learned a lot. And again, if folks haven't already done it, give us the name of your book again, because you got to go on Amazon and buy this thing. Sure. It's called Leadership Growth Hacks, and it's written by David Bellman. So yeah, please go on there and purchase a copy and, and buy some for your friends too. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you for being on the program. It was a real treat and we'll have to do this again soon. Sounds good. Thank you for the opportunity. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts.